Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes. My name is Jared, and I'm here with my good friend, Stephen. How are you, sir? I'm doing well today, my friend. How are you? Well, it was just another beautiful day. I'm lucky to be here. Uh, today we're meeting uh, in the wake of week five, uh, where the Colts traveled to Cleveland and embarrassed themselves and all their fans. Just kidding. Uh, in between week five and week six, in which the Colts host the Bengals, uh, every week uh, between Colts games, Stephen and I recorded about an hour-long podcast where we talk about what happened the week prior. Right. So we'll start. We'll talk about Colts Browns. We'll look ahead to Colts Bengals, and we'll we'll do our little weekly pick'em game, and then I. I we we kind of should probably address the elephant in the room, quarterback play. And I heard a little rumor, and we'll kind of kind of wrap it up from there, I imagine. So Stephen, obviously Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, the Colts lost to the Browns, thirty-two twenty-three. In a game, I th- I think we agreed on paper, the Browns are formidable, but that we had talked about wanting to see some more continuity, consistency. We want to see if that three and one was bought or built, right? And I don't. It's hard. It's hard to diminish someone's win when it when it's by. Um, more than more than a possession. Um, so yeah, I got to got to kind of hand it to the Cleveland. Then, particularly in the first half, surprised I think even themselves with the quality of catches that they made in traffic. You know something's wrong when the announcer says, and you know. That was great coverage. I'm actually surprised he came down with it. And you're thinking, that's the fifth time he said that this quarter. And that's kind of why I think the Colts lost. Uh, Fair? Yeah, I think the Colts are, you know, they, yeah, there was a bunch of times that Baker Mayfield just made some throws that you had great coverage. and. Guys, like, literally caught them 
through cult players. And it was just one of those things where you're going, wait, what just happened? Did is that for real? Did they did he just literally catch that? Because he shouldn't have caught that. Um and you saw it happen a ton in the first half. And then, you know, after the Colts got down a little bit, the Browns were able to pin their ears back and Miles Garrett um versus the Raven Clark was not a good matchup. And that's something that we talked about last week on or in our pregame leading up to the leading up to the game on Sunday was mm-hmm. the biggest issue for the Colts was the absence of of Anthony Costanzo. And it wasn't it was just flatly obvious um during the game that the Colts had to either keep somebody over there and when they didn't, Miles Garrett just ate and ate and ate and ate. Um to the point where you know Philip Rivers was uncharacteristically um he he got sacked, he took hits, he was a little antsy, you know, yeah. a guy that has gone four weeks without really feeling pressure all of a sudden is getting a speed rush in his face that he hasn't seen since in nine months, you know, right. since he was with the Chargers and something that was the main reason why he came to the Colts. You know, it, it makes you a little antsy. And so, you know, it, you feel like Rivers has got to be smarter with the, with the ball, but, you know, and, and he threw, you know, a bunch of bad plays. Um, you had, what, the pick six? That was a, a terrible throw that he eyed the whole time. You had the safety, you know, effectively gave up nine points right there. Um, lo and behold, um, I think that was the the totality of the game right there was, was a nine-point loss. Right. Um, and so you look at that and you say, that's really, it's really difficult um, yeah. for the Colts to win when you give, um, when you give up nine points, and it's the same thing why the Colts were able to, in in weeks two, three, four, were able to stick it to the other teams, is because their defense was putting up points, right? Getting turnovers, putting up points, and this week the Browns had a fan. They I, I got a I've got a couple buddies that are Browns fans. And they messaged me at halftime and said the Browns have put up more, more yards at the half than the Brown, than the Colts have given up in the last three games total. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Um, the Colts' defense was terrible, and the Browns got super lucky on a bunch of plays. But all right. And then in the second half, the defense really put it together and, and locked down the Browns. So their offense wasn't moving the second half. Like they just they couldn't get anything going, um, and so that was the the frustrating part, I think for for all of us Colts fans is that we're going, all right this this should be different. Um, sadly, it wasn't, but it, it was a good barometer game for the Colts, um, and so I think that's important too, is that they're able to kind of get in and and see, really really play a good team because they haven't they haven't really played a good team this year, um, you know, at, up to this point in terms of like a top tier talent team. And the, the Browns are legitimately a top five, top 10 talent team um, right. in the NFL. And so, and they've got an elite pass rusher, somebody that I don't think they're going to see for the remainder of the year. 
um, in terms of the level of play of Miles Garrett. Um, no. You know, Lawson at the Bengals is is coming up this week is is pretty good, but he's nowhere near um, what Miles Garrett is. You look at some of the other guys they they play. JJ Watt's a shell of himself. He's not he's not that same guy. Um, and, and you look at the you know the Titans. Their defense is more of a um, more of a just they're, they're going to blitz from wherever. And so that's where it's really, really tough, I think, for the, for the Colts. Because, like, they're not going to – when you look at how they played in the first half, they, like, let the game basically get away from them. Um, and that's, that's really the frustrating part is you had, you know, the Colts were down 20 to 10 at halftime. The Browns offense scored a total of three points in the second half. Um, and I think in terms of total yards, they didn't crack 100. Um, maybe in the second half. And so that's, that's, that's where the tough part is, is, is. The defense played really, really well, um, even without Darius Leonard. He often struggled without Anthony Costanzo. Um, thankfully, Costanzo was back this week um, or back today at practice full pads. So hopefully he'll be good to go because he changes the entire um, dynamic of that offense. And I hope, while will you do a, me a favor? You, you got a little bit of feedback uh, on your microphone while you work on that. Um, if you will, sir. Um, in terms of Philip Rivers, I think when he came to the Colts, he had this like gunslinger kind of that has been said a thousand times, right? Like, oh, he's a gunslinger. You know, come to Indy, finally have an O line, and then he'll be really able to like harness. I just wish that he would just drop the bravado for five seconds and take care of the football and utilize this, this stable of young running backs. And it just, it's almost like you're watching someone age in real time because for a few weeks, Mo Ali Cox is being, his name is being shouted from the rooftops as like a revelation and the tight end position. And it completely disappears from the Colts offense entirely. And I get it. There's this like cat and mouse game. Right where you 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 show a little too much of the hand and the opposing team over prepares and then they take Mo Ali Cox out of the game entirely and they're trying to take out his knees and stuff so they end up having to pull him or whatever happened. Well, and, and Mo Ali Cox was honestly probably their most dynamic weapon right. coming into the game, which is you know kind of a sad state. Uh, is the microphone fixed at this point? It's Maybe. a little no? better, man. All right. It's a little we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, yeah. And so Molly Cox was a one of the, the more – he was a guy that even Chuck Pagano going into week four against Chicago said that he wasn't going to let Molly Cox go off. Um, told that to Molly Cox before the game. And and so he's something – somebody – he's a player that 
teams recognize, defenses recognize as a problem, a mismatch, somebody that they need to watch out for. And unfortunately, right now, T.Y. Hilton is not, he's like a shell of himself. And, and somebody that's trying to play for a contract um, to finish his career as a Colt, it's really disappointing with how he's played thus far. Um, right. He hasn't really been able to separate. He's not as clean on his breaks. I, I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on there for him, but it, it just seems like something's off. Um, I don't know whether there's some kind of lingering injury that he's not telling people about or, or what's, what's up with that. Um, but yeah, I, I it could to... be, it could be he's also getting really good bracketed coverage and that they're keeping a safety on his side a lot. I don't, I haven't really paid too much attention to that. I've been more wrapped up in the disappearance of Naheem Hines from the offense too. So it's not just really Malik Cox, too, yeah. but it's it for me. I get. I guess when I you can, I guess I'm like a drug addict when it comes to the how I want to spread the ball around in my offense. Is like you can never have too much of a good thing. Is what I'm alluding to. Right. Like when you see the efficiency out of Hines, Wilkins is even a guy we talked about was like really good. But he's like a good rusher of the football. Why does he get more carries? Right. And then like if you really think about uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's actually also a good rusher of the football. He needs to continue to develop. But remember, I, it has been like less than a decade since we were talking about Jamal Charles being the one of the best running backs of all time for averaging about five yards a carry, which Jonathan Taylor is like headed toward. Like his yards per carry is going towards five, right? And similar, this is where, for the record, this is where Marlon Mack was before his injury. So don't forget Marlon Mack. Um, the, the reality, though, is... It's like what we see that the Colts do well seems to just not happen week to week. And I have to wonder if, again, I am repeating myself, but this is an overreaction from the opposing team game planning to take those things away, right? And then the Colts are forced to – and I get those. I get that. Hines comes on the field and, and the defense it. starts saying Hines is going to get a pass. we got to get eyeballs on Hines. Or – Moali Cox comes into play and they're saying, Hi, you know, Moali Cox is going to get a pass in the flat or, or he's going to run a drag, right? You know, they, like the, they're, they're highlighting that these guys are particularly efficient with the football for the Colts. So every time they're on the field, the defense is making note of that, right? And, and if you're, if you well, think that's, about. That's the other part of it is that defenses know now when Naheem Hines is on the field, there's a high likelihood that he's going to get a pass out of the backfield. So what do, you, what do you do at that point? You bring a safety in and you match them, match that offensive scheme. So right. you know you've got a safety that's probably going to match up on Hines um, as his coverage guy. So right. now the Colts don't have that opportunity, that element of surprise because of the usage of Hines in week one. Um, week one and that after that, they really didn't use him much at all. Um, but they know, all defenses know, that's his bread and butter right there. He's going to catch passes out of the backfield. He's going to want run some real wheel routes. Um, that was harder to say than I thought. Um, right. And then he's going to do like little, should be doing outside runs. Um, right. And defenses know this. And so they're able to key to that. And that's really kind of the problem right now is the Colts are predictable. And you have Jonathan Taylor in there 
I think the stat was he's seeing 27% of the of his snaps, he's seeing an eight-man box versus what Marlon Mack saw um, last year was he saw a, a eight-man box 12% of the time. Right. Um, or half. lower this. margin yeah. than what Jonathan Taylor. And that makes a huge difference. And right. so until the Colts are able to start taking Jonathan Taylor and using him a little bit more in space, similar to how they use Naheem Hines, they're going to continue to see eight-man boxes whenever he's in the game because defenses assume that he's not running out in space, he's not going to line up, and he's not going to run routes. They're going to hand the ball off to him in those situations. And so the Colts need to really kind of work on, I think, their play calling to be a little bit more versatile um, in, in how they attack a defense because they are becoming more and more predictable. And when you're predictable, you get beat in the NFL because defenses know what you're doing. They can key on it. And the only way to beat that is through tremendous execution. And at this point, the Colts haven't done that. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly the, the onus is on the Colts. If you're going to play like this, you got to play perfect. And I I understand that this offensive line is elite and a yada, 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 man, but it really hadn't felt like it this year. It's felt like a lot of these defenses have just made business decisions and said, I'm not getting put on a highlight reel for Quentin Nelson this year. And I really, I really do feel like that's how teams are playing Q now is, Hey, get, get, you know, lock, lock arms with him a little bit and then disengage and, and move on. Cause otherwise you'll make, you know, embarrass you. Um, but when you really think about what, what the Colts have to do is, and, I, and I'm going to keep saying it and ho- hopefully they do it. They got all this brain power. And you got all these, these data scientists that work for you. There has to be a better way to play call. Whatever they're doing now, outside of fourth down, they don't take enough risk. There's no ingenuity. They're predictable, just like you've like you've been harping on. There's nothing that suggests that they're developing an offense, and that's that's part of winning consistently is keeping the other team on their toes. Um, a lot of what the Colts have done in recent memory anyway is, is a lot of the line of the scrimmage stuff, a lot of the, you know, um, on two and, and trying to, they've been doing that for years here. Uh, but a lot of, a, a lot of motion, um, it, it th- there's just the ways that guys can be used. I mean, think about a screen. We, t- we've been talking about this, putting Hines and Taylor on the field and you play action to Taylor, right, across the quarterback's body. And then you bounce Hines the opposite direction, kind of in like a little bubble, right? And then it's like a read for an old man, right? It's like a, a read option pat, read option screen, right? That you get the defense going one way. If there's a hole, hand the ball off. And if the defense reads and reacts correctly across the formation, pull the ball back and whip it out there to Hines. He should be wide open. You've got good uh, receivers that are good at blocking. 
this should be something that happens like like we said last week before the game we should be screening people to death drawing people to death they're there's so these teams have to manufacture pressure right because you you traditionally like unless you're miles garrett are not able to naturally generate pressure against uh the philip rivers in this offense you you have to manufacture that um and the Colts haven't been great this year at stopping that manufactured pressure. That's where those hits are coming from on Philip Rivers, and is, and then obviously this past week with with not having Laraven Clark, you're at a disadvantage. We talked about that right before the game started. Like, hey, if if I'm the Browns, I still kind of like that matchup out there with Braden Smith. The Browns said, you know what, we're gonna have our cake and eat it too. So not only did he beat up on Braden Smith. He went to the other side and made sure he gave Raven Clark a taste and really could did it whatever he wanted. And I, I, po- I pointed out, as much as we harp on the Colts offensive line and say, man, Phil Rivers felt like, felt like he's under duress a lot, I'm still right when I say, you know, Baker Mayfield was under pressure quite a bit too. It, the difference is he, that his receivers made plays that, like they otherwise, like they basically used up all their highlights for the next six weeks in one week. Like that's basically what the Browns did. I mean, if well, they keep they keep playing that, like this, there's no way they don't win the Super Bowl. Like, the, not when, only that is Baker Mayfield is is mobile. Yeah. And so Baker Mayfield was able to get out and extend plays, and like their big plays were all on scrambles right for Mayfield like nothing if he was in the pocket he was done and that's something that we talked about is because you've got to kind of keep him on the spot like you can't let him like improvise yeah um and, and it's similar to like Deshaun Watson um or or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson is you want to keep them or, or even Patrick Mahomes is a different animal but like a Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, those guys, you want to keep in the pocket. And if you don't keep them in the right. pocket, you're in trouble um, because they're able to extend plays. They're quick enough. They're athletic enough to get away from the defensive linemen. And you cannot ask your corners to corner safeties, linebackers to cover for six seconds at a time. Cause it's just not going to, that you can't, it's really hard to do. Typically you try to, ask your corners to cover for five seconds or less. And, and and that's, you know, at that point you're hoping that the ball's out and you can make a play on it. If those guys are covering for six, seven, eight seconds, the, the probability of them having a holding call, having some kind of interference, losing their guy in coverage, having a guy come across right. in front of their face that they're all of a sudden take the step up on. And then they got another guy going back behind like that's really tough on a defense to have them hold the ball for that long. And right. Baker Mayfield was able to make some tremendous plays with his legs to get out and get away from pressure where you thought he was going down and, or, or and, and times that he should have gone down, but the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns literally wrapped up and tackled Colts players and it wasn't called. Um, right. So let me toss again, my complaint from last season I don't right. care if the referees <laughs> call holding. I just want them to call holding on both teams. They they called a holding on Quentin Nelson. That was literally a 
the guy who ran in and Quentin Nelson just pushed him down. Like there was right. no hold. Like he didn't, he didn't, he just didn't even close his hands. It was the guy ran in, Quentin Nelson kind of sidestepped and shoved him down and they called holding. Right. And you're like, wait, what in the hell? Like, I, don't, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, it's first, so, it's perfectly plausible yeah. to think this was a game the Colts were going to lose when we sat here and said, hey, you know, there's this weird stat about Anthony Costanzo not playing and the Colts being 2-13. and 13. Um, Well, they're 2-14 and 14 without Anthony Costanzo now. And it's pretty important to have a good, consistent starting left tackle. And I think we'd talked about specifically after just one absence uh, where the Colts offensive line seeded pressure as a result of it, of him not playing. Uh, we, we've said already, well, it's pretty clear the Colts need to address. Colts are going to have to address left tackle in this in this upcoming draft. Because life without Anthony Costanza is going to be rough. And if and if you think that's the case, life without a three years older LaRaven Clark, right? That'd be rough too. So you're going to have to going to have to draft uh, with with the the notion that you're going to have to replace Anthony Costanza, or he could he could end up needing to take games off as he gets older if you're going to keep him around. Um, I just um, I, like have I the think Colts had a little bit better protection. I think they win this game because oh, I was just, I was just have, gonna say if they're healthy, if they're healthy, like, they win this. Yeah, if they're healthy, I think they win this game against the Browns. And I don't, uh, and I don't think it's actually. I think the Colts win by probably seven to ten points. I, I think that this is like two possessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because. You have Darius Leonard, who's able to to play that linebacker position, is able to run the field, and, and Baker Mayfield doesn't get away from Darius Leonard. Yeah, that um, that, would, that would be flatly. Baker's problem. Like, he would not be able to roll out. And Deshaun Watson can't has so much trouble. It's why you know different quarterbacks that are that are supposed to be more mobile quarterbacks have such trouble against the Colts is because Darius Leonard is an athletic freak that can cover anybody at a, at a quarterback position all over the field and he can just spy them and they're done. Um, right. So that changed the dynamic on the defense, at least for the start of the game for the first half until the defense got really settled in. And I was right. Like the Colts gave up like 290 or 280 something yards in the first half. They gave up 101 yards in the second half combined total. And so the defense locked them down gave up three points and 101 yards in the second half. But the problem is they gave up 20 points in the first half because of bad field position. And then they gave up nine points from Phillip Rivers throwing a pick six and having that, that inexcusable safety. Like he should not have thrown that ball to that spot. Like he has, he has to kill it somewhere near a, a near a Colts player and he has to know that he's in the end zone and that would be a safety. Right. I, uh, there is quarterback issues there. There are some concerns. Yeah. But 
the biggest issue was the lack of Anthony Costanzo in this game. Right. And like I said, a lot, a lot, a lot of what I've seen. And again, we did this last year, man. We, we talked about, uh, the, the Colts were healthy to start the season. They come out kind of hot. Everybody, even, even I admit I was drinking the, drinking the brissette Kool-Aid and then reality set in, uh, shortly after, um, this year, uh, the I was thinking about this week, and and if I were Frank Reich, how I would be addressing my team. And obviously, something has to change organizationally because this is two years in a row where your playmakers are injured and out. Marlon Mack would be nice to have. Uh, Paris Campbell would be nice to have. And then this past week, missing both Costanzo and Leonard cost you the game. And again, we've talked about this. We've said, hey, you know, it's nice to have a organization that isn't so reliant on one or two players. Um, the reality, though, is it's just like you know remember i haven't really ever used this in an interview or in a in a podcast so now i kind of get to when i interviewed um eric ebron a comment he made when i talked about you know the Colts' struggles last year and how hey i you know i don't know if you've caught our podcast and he said yeah you know i've listened to it and i said you know i'd made the comment that hell i think if the colts are healthy they're great looking team but this year it just feels like the injury bug had kind of bit and he said you know we kind of joke about the best ability is availability right Mm -hmm. um in the nfl the 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 way teams are drafting the the way teams are looking for new players they're not looking for people that are missing games um so if you've been injured and missed time and this is coming straight from an nfl player's mouth like these teams don't want anything to do with you if you're missing any games at all, I want you out there every game. And that's the problem is, you know, you get injured and it completely derails your career. And then that's how teams come out of left field is they just fill their roster with guys that are like the forgotten, right? Because of injuries. Um, and the, the Colts obviously primarily need to be healthy, healthier than they've been. Getting a guy like Paris Campbell back would do wonders for the vertical passing game, which would do wonders for the run game, which would do wonders for doing what you wanted to do anyway and forcing the defense to deal with it and then not just not being able to do that. Um, and thus far, it feels like Philip Rivers falls into bad habits when he's under duress. And the hope is with with kind of... It, in retrospect now, I hope that this Bengals game is sort of a layup, um, if you will, to borrow a basketball term. Um, but it, with respect to the Browns, I do, f- I do feel like now that now that I've seen them play and like, here's what we're capable of, right? Like for a half, their offense looked good, uh, so they can play offense for the first half. Um, I feel like this game, upcoming game against the Bengals should just be a lesser version of an Ohioan foe, right? Like, so there's no, 
there's no change in tone, right? There's certainly hope we get Darius Leonard back. We, again, like you said, we saw Anthony Costanzo today. Um, I did see Michael Pittman without a air cast or crutches on the side with no cane on the sideline at practice today. Uh, be great. nice, be nice to get him back soon. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts kind of coming, coming back to center, uh, for the Colts. And that tends to bode well, right? It kind of goes without saying, in fact, it doesn't just kind of go without saying it completely goes without saying your team does better when everyone's playing. So specifically, like we talked about last week, when you're missing your most, most arguably most important position on offense outside of quarterback center exchange, um, left tackle. I still Here's, say left tackle is more important than center. But that's okay. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the guy literally watching the quarterback's back uh, frequently has to take on the, the longest and best athlete that's got the shortest route to the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, there's no absolutely no pretty obvious no winning without and anthony costanzo two and 14 is shoo there's just not really much margin for error uh and there wasn't anyway and that that's the thing i think i think we don't say that enough right 53 percent of all games in the nfl are are three-point games the home team wins a little more than half of the time uh and we need to take that into into account when we talk about like who we think is going to win or lose, um, I need to, you know, in, in the same breath, I say, hey, here's this neat stat. The Colts are two and 13 without Costanzo. And it should have been like, hey, the Colts are going to lose, man. Like they're, they're without their left tackle. Uh, here's a record without him already. Uh, Phil Rivers has shown to be turnover prone, specifically when under duress. And I have to have a feeling playing against a guys like, guy like Miles Garrett. It's just going to be tough sledding. And I think part of the solve for what do when my left tackle's out is not drop back, stand stand still, and try to throw. Because I just think that's how you get hit. And that it did happen when when the Colts decided to do it. And again, it, it kind of again begs the question: what? What's keeping the Colts from one? A hurry-up offense is good against a good pass rush. Uh, running draw underneath uh, outside pass rush. Uh, running generally running the football is good when the out their their best their best defender is their end. You can run under that. Um, the those are things that it's like we you look at the data and you say you know. Jonathan Taylor almost he was like 4.57 yards a carry or something like that. Like it was pretty good running at a pretty good clip. And you look at the number of carries and you're like, but he didn't get any touches. And you say like, regardless of the score, right? At some point you have to get back to the basics. We can run the ball on this offense. We can force them into bad personnel changes and we can win one-on-one matchups. Um, and I get it. it it's it, you're exactly correct. Something's going on with T.Y. Hilton that he's not being taken seriously, and he's real easy to ghost you on a game, and just he's not very productive. Um, and the the thing that has to change is this: there has to be a mentality change for the Colts. The problem I have 
and I've started to see this is like several several games of Frank Reich's where you feel like they're when they're scripted they get up big and and then they let off the gas pedal and they stop doing what they were doing successfully and then they start failing and they don't they don't catch it and then until they get to this hurry up portion of the game where well now now we're now we're trying to use the clock to our advantage or we're trying to save clock and that completely changed your offense to where now it's just this four minute hurry up or whatever and it doesn't match the tempo of that you set early in the game when you were being like highly successful with a, a more run heavy uh format i mean no no fan is going to be upset watching a seven yard run versus somebody catches a dig or, or you know or like a drag like nobody's complaint oh yeah they it was boring the colts do you think people go to the ravens games and are bored when they run for 300 yards no and i get it without well, to be fair nobody's going to those games so <laughs> but um tis. Um, you get what I'm saying though. Like nobody's watching the Baltimore Ravens play offense and saying like, yeah, that read option they're running that's equating to like nine and a half yards per carry is boring, right? So there's no shame in grinding people out, right? And the Colts, even without Marlon Mack, still have a a trio of running backs that you could effectively grind someone out. And the thing, I don't remember who else said this. Someone, some bigwig said this. The mentality that Philip Rivers needs to have that gunslinger thing, that doesn't need to exist. He's in a safe safe place now. Like, now you can be careful with the football. And also, it's, you know, it's, it's not that he's not putting the ball downfield either. Like, he does plenty of that. It's not that he isn't completing those passes even. It's just that he doesn't need that. And he he definitely, if I'm going to sit here and say he doesn't need, he doesn't need um, to be mobile either, right? He's He has no need to pull the ball down and run. He's not athletic enough, right? So it, it feels like to me there's some, we need to do some different things on offense. Does that make sense? Like, it has yeah. a, it's not working, man. It's <laughs> it's getting it's getting you into field goal range, but that and then that's the last part, and then I'll kind of step back. The, I, this offense in the red zone is soft. Yeah, they're not trying to score. They're trying to get in better field goal range. Does it make? Is it? Am I wrong? Like, it doesn't feel like they're trying to score touchdowns. It it feels like they are playing kind of like not to lose yeah um you know sadly that's that's just kind of how it feels um because they're just they're playing to get into field goal range they're playing to they're relying too heavily on the defense so when the offense makes a mistake like what happened this week and they gave up nine points um it's almost impossible to overcome it playing as conservative as they've played. It's like they're leaving no, no room for margin of error. Um, so that means you can't be, 
you can't have any misfortune on offense when you leave no margin of error um, on defense. You know, they they're still even though they've been playing well on defense, this is still a new system. And anytime that you have a new system, it has the propensity to break down. And the first half of this last week's game was evident of that. Hey, if the other guys show up to freaking play and that quarterback puts the ball exactly where it has to be and they make some catches, it's going to get disheartening really fast because you're going to feel like you're doing everything right and you're losing anyway. And again, I'd say because it's a new system and because they were down a man on defense, it literally felt like, hey, we did everything right. It's just so did they. And they're the one with the ball. So when they have the ball and they're doing everything right, too, they're going to win. And then when we're on offense. Well, the time of possession was like crazy, too, in the oh, first yeah. half. It was like 11 to 4 or something like that, like in the first quarter. Like you, you can't win that way in the NFL. Right. So I guess we should probably talk about week six right yeah i mean we can um one thing i want to do is make sure everybody remembers to follow us on the twitter machine uh jared at likely alien myself and nice read steve and follow this podcast at hot pancake rate and review us five stars on wherever you listen to your podcast at apple itunes apple spotify stitcher um that oh, you yeah. can do it illegally and somehow don't download this free podcast from one of those reputable sources, give us five stars on that thing too. Um, yeah. And that'll be great. Um, on yeah, on, on your hot wired Roku or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know why you would download us illegally because you can get it for free, but <laughs> right. whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's talk about stuff that's happened. You know, we, there was, You've heard a lot of people um, recently, very recently, start talking about how the Colts should make a move at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, and as much as I'd love for them to sign Chad Kelly, I think that's a terrible idea. So. Um, <laughs> no, I, by the way, I think Chad Kelly is not an NFL quarterback, and neither does any other team in the NFL. So um, right. that seems to put that to rest um except for except there's chad kelly fan boys that really like him um sorry if you're listening to this uh, i didn't mean to single the one person out um or i kind of did but uh there was rumors um uh, that from i want to say you 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 and i had talked about this before um mm-hmm. podcast there was a rumor from somebody in the new york media that said that the colts um, we're looking to reach out to the New York Jets mm-hmm. uh, about the availability of Sam Darnold. Yeah. And here's the thing with Sam Darnold. Um, he's a great quarterback if given the right system. Right. And he's said that I think the Colts, if given the opportunity to pursue, would be beneficial for them to look into going after. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of guys that I don't think they should go after. For example, Dwayne Haskins doesn't really fit what they do. Um, you know, I would love for the Colts to, in this offseason, to look at signing Dak Prescott. 
even though he is injured and even though it will take a year for him to come back from that injury. Um, that's the same injury that happened to Darius Fountain, same injury that happened to Kamoko Ture. Um, it's that dislocation fracture um, to mm-hmm. where you basically flop your foot at the end of his leg. Um, and it's really, really disgusting, the, the picture that they showed. I gave you a pretty good description, so we might yeah. get explicitly noted on this um, explicit <laughs> content. Um, but the thing is, with Zach Prescott, even if he is, you know, a little bit, um, takes a little time to get there, he's still a top, he, he's a top five quarterback, I think, in the NFL. Yeah. Even though people don't give him the love that he deserves, he is a fantastic quarterback. Put, put him behind this offensive line, some of the offensive line he had in Dallas um, two years ago, and this kid will flourish. Um, you've got a, a stud running back with Jonathan Taylor. You've got some good pieces at the wide receiver position, not not to what they have right now with Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb and Mike Gow. Oh, no. I can't hear you at all. Oh, I accidentally hit the mute button. Um, <laughs> it happens sometimes, guys. It happens sometimes. Live podcast. Um, <laughs> so, they're saying, I don't know where I got cut off, but I'll, I'll repeat. Um, Zach Prescott's got some great weapons down in Dallas, and Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb, and, and Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, the Colts don't have those types of weapons yet, but I expect Chris Ballard to really look into kind of trying to upgrade the wide receiver, wide receiver position early. Um, if he doesn't do it in free agency, a guy like Allen Robinson would be available. Amari Cooper might be available for trade um, to um, trade or be able to sign. Uh, they've got some options to Colts do um, this offseason to to kind of upgrade the wide receiver position because T.Y. Hilton, like we said earlier, just hasn't been cutting it recently, which is surprising. You, you kind of expected T.Y. to really play better than what he has. Um, but, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think the Colts should seriously look into acquiring Sam Darnold, seeing just peeling out the Jets. Because right now Adam Gase is still there, and Adam Gase is terrible um, as the GM, whatever you want to call him, GM coach. Um, I know he's not the GM, but he's just not been good. Yeah. Um. And he's, you know, they've now cut Livian Bell. They're starting to just make moves to make moves, I guess. Yeah, I guess they're um, tanking in tank mode. And so, you know, this is now his second season as the Jets head coach. Um, the they they've been playing terribly. If if New York Jets are in position to tank and grab a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, I think they should cut their losses with Sam Darnold and trade him. And try to get, you know, maybe a first-round pick back from him. First and a third is is something that I, I saw spot uh, bounced around on Twitter. That could be a conditional second. Um, and then you you've got a lot of different options there. If the Colts were looking at Sam Darnold, if they were going to get a quarterback this offseason, um, and they weren't going to continue with Philip Rivers and they weren't as comfortable with Jacob Eason and his development, and I think Sam Darnold would be a perfect, perfect opportunity. Yeah, and, and I think that there's 
there's already a, <laughs> we I like romanticizing in the way that it feels like Frank Reich has a hand in that. And I say that to say they have this <laughs> kind of goofy relationship with the Jets. Um, and there's kind of that joke when we played the Jets a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, where people were like, you know, the the Jets are like the Island of Misfit Toys from the Colts, right? They have like 11 former Colts on the team. So with that in mind, it does kind of pass... They- so here's that stat. They have 11 players on the Jets that have more games played on the Colts roster than the Colts starting defense did. That's that was the stat is the Jets have 11 players that are on their roster that have played more games for the Colts than the Colts starting defense has played for the Colts combined. Mhm. <laughs> which is just kind of funny man like <laughs> like and it's, it's that it's that kind of goofiness right that breeds ideas like the like the jets tanking for trevor lawrence and trading <laughs> sam darnold to the colts who if you're the colts you ship Philip Rivers to Dallas in exchange for Amari and then a first rounder to New York to nab Sam Darnold. Then you've gotten rid of Philip Rivers contract to a team that needs to do something at quarterback. And then you picked up a wide receiver for Darnold to grow old with, uh, I think is the play. I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting concept right there um i don't think they trade philip rivers to dallas but i do think that they would trade jacoby Brissett to dallas because i can see I, that I happening too i i with dak prescott going down all dallas has right now is andy dalton um now it's arguable that he's a better quarterback well uh, andy dalton's probably a better quarterback than jacoby Brissett. but if dalton goes down the cowboys are still in the nfc least um nfc east race um to to win that division right and so they've got an opportunity there to make the playoffs you get extra revenue when you make the playoffs and so um it's one of those things where you could see dallas actually making that move for jacoby Brissett because they don't need a a gunslinger they don't need a guy that's they need a guy that can just kind of throw it up because they've got great wide receivers right um and, and jacoby Brissett. You know, he's really good at throwing balls that will end up being contested catches. And <laughs> Dallas is really Dallas wide receivers are great wide receivers. So they, they all have a great opportunity to really expand upon something that they do well um, or that they can do well. Like, I mean, shoot, C.D. Lamb was a contested catch machine um, when he played right. college. So like that, I, I you know, scattered wide receivers, and that was one of the things that stood out, is that he would go up and get the ball. Um, right. Like, he was coming down with it 99.9% of the time. And so, I think Jacoby Brissett would be a perfect, perfect guy to go down there. And, and the Colts could trade, you know, second, third round pick to Dallas, 
that Chris Ballard would do that in a heartbeat. Um, even though Jacoby Brissett is, you know, beloved in this organization and, and you know, a, a huge voice in the locker room. Um, I, I think that that would be the only reason that they don't make that move, to be honest, um, is because of his presence off the field and what he means to the locker room. That that would be the only reason I don't see it, because clearly they've kept Jacob Beeson on this roster um, through six weeks uh, on the active roster. And he's not like he's not going to play because you've got you know, Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, but they feel really confident in his abilities. Otherwise, you don't keep him on that roster. You don't waste that lot roster spot on a third quarterback. And so, but, so does that lend credence then to the idea of moving Jacoby and just waiting for the the right deal to come along? Is that kind of what you're saying there? Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I didn't really get to that point. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is they feel confident in Jacob Eason enough to keep him on the roster? Um, that they should feel confident in moving Jacoby Brissett if that off off field stuff for Jacoby Brissett, that leadership ability for him in the locker room wasn't a factor. I think that the Colts would trade Jacoby Brissett, and Dallas is dumb enough to make stupid trades. Like they traded a first round pick for Amari Cooper. Um, you know, which ultimately ends up being a pretty good trade for them, but right. first round <laughs> pick for a wide receiver in the middle of the season. Right. You know, you know, um, Jerry Jones is going to make a trade just to make sure that his team makes the playoffs, which is what you want in a general manager and an owner. But it also leads to an opportunity for other teams to really take advantage of his uh, overzealousness. So yeah, the obviously a lot a lot of a lot of media this past week has been saying, you know, Colts got to do something at quarterback, but I think there's also pretty good credence to hey, we also need to get healthy and having your left tackle and would be nice, having your defensive captain would be nice and as a general rule, you know, the healthier you are, the more likely you are to win games and with Anthony Costanzo back. And again, we said we'd keep an eye out about over Darius Leonard and let's kind of focus our attention for a few minutes anyway, on Sunday's contest, the, the Colts do get to host the Bengals, um, in Lucas oil in front of a limit, still limited crowd, the Bengals are one of the more unfortunate teams in the NFL, right? One, three, and one. So they have the 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 ugliest mark in the NFL, the tie. But that said, obviously their first pick's gonna pan out. I'm just gonna lead with that. Joe Burrow's all right. Kids all right. So I think. With that in mind, right, like, hey, Joe Burrow is a competitive quarterback, going to be good for this franchise. They're still in trouble. Um, there's I, there's not a kind way to say this is a young football team, a transitioning football team. The Colts yeah. are not a young transitioning football team <laughs> anymore. Well, well, well 
No, I'll, I'll tell you this is the Colts are a young transitioning football team on defense. Um, they are not a young, they're the crazy thing for the Colts is they are, they are a relatively young team. I, I think they're in the, the bottom five in age yeah. um, or the top five and youngest. Um, with, you take Phillip Rivers out of it and they're probably the youngest team in the league. It's kind of the similar thing that they had in the past you know, 10 years with having Adam Vinatieri on the roster is you right. take him off and the, the roster age plummets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that the Bengals are a, they're, they're a team that will beat you if you overlook them. Um, and so hopefully the Colts come in after again, having a tough loss and they can string off another three wins um, in a row. And the defense is dominant. I think this defense plays differently in Lucas Oil Stadium than they do outside on grass. And it's blatantly obvious seeing them play in Jacksonville and then against the the Chicago Bears and Cleveland Browns, all of which have grass fields, and then versus seeing them play um, against the um, Jets and the, the Vikings and really playing at Lucas Oil Stadium, playing those two games on the turf, they're a different team, like, inside in that dome, which is why winning the AFC South is so important for the Colts to be able to get that home playoff game. Right, because it's, it's just their, it's their environment, and the the difference between playing on grass and turf, it, it really is night and day, to, to t- borrow one term to make, a point there's just there's no give in the turf it's very unforgiving that's why you see uh those gross ankle injuries and those knee injuries is there's just not a lot of give on that turf on the grass there's a little more bounce but it slows you down yeah um, like grass is like thicker it's kind of like you're able to run it's hard to describe really like the the problem with the turf is if if you know like say Coke bottles like if you've got like a six pack of Coke and you've got those little holes when you go into turf your cleats go into those holes and but they're really really tiny so your your cleats go in and they can stick that's why you you used to see a lot of ACL injuries ankle injuries and things like that on turf is because the foot itself would kind of stick in. And so you mm-hmm. turn and grass would give with you as you turn mm-hmm. and the turf won't turn at all. Right. So your foot is locked into place and you're trying to turn. And so you're putting all that force and that pressure on that one joint at that one spot. And that's when you'll see a lot of fractures um, for anybody that cares the whole uh, medical side of that. I didn't think I'd get into that today, but that's okay. um but yeah outside of their record um joe burrow at this point uh six touchdowns three interceptions about 1300 yards passing uh through five games uh joe mixon is their lead rusher he's got about 375 yards rushing a couple touchdowns and oddly enough right we we talk about ty hilton and his sort of disappearance from the Colts offense or 
um, kind of he just kind of aging and quickly, or maybe just hasn't quite found his timing with uh, Philip Rivers yet, and that's kind of something we'll we'll see develop. For the Bengals, their best receiver is supposed to be AJ Green. If I saw that correctly last week, he had zero he catches. Zero catches. He has been basically locked out of that offense. And he also had, but he, no, what happened was he had zero catches because he had a hamstring injury, I believe, in the first half that they listed him as doubtful and then out for the second half. Mm. And it's the same hamstring that really hampered him last year. Uh, it's one of those things where he's just seems like he's gotten older and he's a little bit frail and is not not able to put it together like he used to. And then there's Tyler Boyd, right? There's Tyler Boyd and then there's Joe Mixon. Um, those are your big o- offensive threats for the Bengals. The Bengals offensive line has been rocky. Um, and so you, you, you'd expect the Colts defense to really step up this game and really put pressure on Joe Burrow. Um, thing with Joe Burrow is that he's a, a very creative quarterback. He's even though people will look at him and say, Oh, he's definitely a pocket passer, blah, blah, blah. No, he's actually really good on the move. Um, he's really good at keeping his eyes downfield. He'll make plays with his feet with, if he has to. Um, and he's smart about it. So he won't take that hit. Um, and the Colts defense have a real opportunity, though, because he has been a little bit turnover prone. Um, he trusts his arm more than he necessarily should um, because he's still acclimating himself to the speed of NFL defenses in college at, at LSU. And you had maybe basically an NFL team, to be honest, on, on his offense. Right. I literally think every single player from that offense got drafted um, from the starting offense. Um <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like his his you had Clyde Edwards Hilaire that got drafted in the first round. You had Justin Jefferson that was drafted in the first round. You're gonna have Jamar Chase that's drafted in the first round, probably a top ten pick. Um yep. the, Thaddeus Moss, I think, was the only guy that wasn't drafted, the tight end. That was Randy Moss's son. Um but Outside of that, like everybody else, even their offensive line, I think he had like three or four of his offensive line that got drafted. Um, and so he literally played with an NFL team in college. So he was able to make those throws and really trust his arm and just wing it in there. Yep. And that's he 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 can't do that in the NFL. And he's still trying to learn that. Um, looking at the, the Bengals defense, um, there's. You know, they, they've still got some good guys up at the defensive line. Um, their secondary isn't great. Um, and so you, you hope that the, the Colts will be able to take advantage of that uh, and really, first off, establish the run for once um, and then try to take advantage of play-action pass because I think that that's where Phillip Rivers could really thrive um, is, is taking advantage of play-action pass and using that space when – say Jonathan Taylor comes in and they put those eight men in the box, play action pass right there with Phillip Rivers. You're going to give yourself an opportunity. I want to see a little bit more from Molly Cox. I want to see more from T.Y. Um, and then I want to see them give Marcus Johnson. He, he just made plays. Ashton Doolin made some great plays last week. 
You know, they, they've yeah. got some decent wide receivers on this roster that can really make plays if given the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think that was one of the biggest disappointments I had in last week um, in, in the team last week is because they had a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of a weak Brown secondary, and they didn't. Um, they need to do that this week against Cincinnati. They really need to put it on Cincinnati and really put this game away early, similar to what they did um, with the Jets, with the with the Vikings, is just run them out of the run them out of the stadium early. Um, if they let Joe Burrow kind of hang around, um, you never know what these these young kids will do. You're right, and when it and when it comes to the data for both sides of the ball, Bengals are just one of the worst teams in the NFL. Bottom quarter in in terms of offense, bottom quarter in yards per rush, uh, bottom quarter in uh, yards per pass attempt. So their Burrow is being he's under duress clearly. That's evident, and they're not running the ball very effectively, and also he's not throwing the ball very far down the field. It's a, it's showing you that he's lacking protection. Otherwise, he would be throwing the ball eight or so yards down the field. Instead, it's more like five. Um, that's good for the Colts. The Colts are great at short yardage games. They're great um, playing that precision um defense uh when they've got to have yards and i think that's just going to hurt the brown the Bengals really badly especially with the young quarterback um one of the things that we harp on young quarterbacks uh is not throwing to the sticks on third down or throwing short of the sticks um and it's just like you said you know he's, he's got a little bit of bro's got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality uh, and also he's operating um, with sketchy weapons and also his defense is bottom quarter in the NFL in um, they're like 30th in yards per rush as a defense and they're 25th in the NFL in yards per completion uh, as a defense and they're not very turnover uh, dependent they they only have five to keep in mind the browns have 12 right so last week we talked about the browns defense is pretty terrible and they're really turnover dependent um this week you're playing just a really just a a bad overall football team if you're just speaking plainly uh like i just said four pretty important areas uh when it comes to offense and defense the browns are not very good at and it's all like it's obvious they're worse than the Colts in all those areas. They're also worse than any team the Colts have played in most of those areas. So this is an opportunity for the Colts to get back to basics. I think this is a team uh, more than anything. The Bengals defense is really bad against the run. They allow 5.2 yards per carry. If there is a week for Jonathan Taylor to get a ton of time and touches and just run the ball down your throat, this is a week for that. Um, Running the ball has the added bonus of shortening the game. Uh, And when you're at home and your defense is playing lights out, uh, I'll be really honest with you. The more I talk about it, I'm like, this is like a 31-0 game. 
<laughs> I don't know if I would ever feel comfortable with any NFL game calling it as a 31 nothing game. But if there was Cole ever Stevens one, is, Cole Stevens is really good, uh, and if they, you know, kind of put together a a game like they did the second half against the Browns, like you could see this getting away from the Browns pretty quick and and making it like 24-3, you know, 31-3, something like that. I think the Browns get on the scoreboard, but I would love to see the Colts get a shutout. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I, I here's what I, I was having a conversation with one of my cohorts earlier today, and he asked me if you were someone that Frank Reich listened to, what would you tell him? And I said, well, Frank Reich and I would never be in the same room because I would tell Frank Reich to stop thinking like a pastor and start thinking like a serial killer. He's too nice. They're too trying to get everybody involved and trying to show you what this new trick we learned. And it's like you're playing against a skateboarder and not against somebody who wants to beat you like the Patriots beat the Bills back in the day, 56-3, right? If I were close enough to Frank Reich to be able to say it is I'm tired of feeling like we're way better than this team. And here we are in a position where we're up 17 points. And if we score a touchdown on this drive, this game is over. And what do we do? Forget how to play call, kick a field goal, and let them back in the game over the next quarter. That's what it literally feels like when you watch the Colts blow a game. And that's it, it's happened a couple of times where you feel like the Colts are way better than this team. They're moving the ball effortlessly. And all we need to do is stick the ball in the end zone. And then and then you're thinking, like, it wasn't even the attempt. They didn't even try. It's just like we said earlier. It feels like sometimes they're playing not to lose. And I know that it might be a little extreme to tell Frank Reich to stop thinking like a passer and start thinking like a serial killer. But I only meant that in the terms of, like, not giving up on a victory when you, you know, they're – it's not like you're ever playing against a team full of people that you should be giving up on, right? Like you, you should be conceding to that. That doesn't happen in the end. There isn't a team in the NFL that anyone feels sorry for there. I said it the way I wanted to say it, right? There, there, no one we're going to play. Are we going to be like, you know what? We should probably put our backups in. This is getting ugly, right? They're all NFL teams. These teams aren't, shouldn't be that far apart. It just so happens that, there's such a disparity between what the Colts are doing offensively and defensively and what the Browns are doing, Bengals are doing, Ohio is doing uh, offensively and defensively. It, and it just so happens this week you got the even worse version of that Ohio team. Uh, even even though I do, I do think um, Mixon could very well be the best running back in their division. And Burrow could very well be the second best quarterback in their division uh, at some point in the near future. Um, it isn't this week. It isn't today. Um, I'm mo- much more confident about the outcome of Bengals Colts than I was Browns Colts. Um, and again, this is mostly just due to a lack of production of being in con and, and I say that and Burroughs thrown two more touchdowns than 
than Rivers. Um, but I also think this is a big this is a big game for the Colts to start scoring uh, from outside the red zone. If to speak frankly, to to put the ball on target on someone twenty or more yards down the field and score a touchdown. So I'm also calling for like big plays. The, they it's like they're doing it everywhere else, right? Defense is turning is forcing turnovers. They're scoring points. Special teams is returning kicks and punts and for touchdowns and long gains and setting us up with good field position uh, when we're punting and kicking away the ball. Um, it's it's almost it's it's like you want to see the Colts put together that full offensive game plan and get get a high yield out of that offense against against what is effectively your softest matchup uh, defensively. Uh, we've talked about how the Bengals do have some interesting players on defense, but on the whole, like we've just, like I've just sat here and told you, not very good against the run or the pass. Um, and and again, that that's a symptom of, I, I think, the Bengals lacking sort of an identity um, with having just a rookie quarterback um, and a, a range a range of weapons, not necessarily like a very young. And a, a really young, ex- excellent group of receivers. He kind of has like his best receiver is aging. He has a, a slot receiver as his number two and Boyd. And then Mixon's a good running back. They have no support outside of that with which to really speak strongly about. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I would be like a primary option. No, they, they, they really don't have. Uh, they don't have really like they have AJ Green. They're just not using him. So it's like they they don't have like another receiver that they can use when they're because they're not using AJ. And he's he's another guy where a change of location could do wonders. But you have to again, you have to wonder who uses wonder twice in one sense. But you have to wonder, like, is AJ Green going to stick it out in Cincinnati? Like, is this really how you want to go out? Um so there's some there's even some question there, which in addition to them already not being very good on offense, they're also not utilizing the arguably the well, it's hard it's hard to really do that because he had they had Ocho Cinco and T.O. So is he like the third best wide receiver they've ever had? And they also had Hoosh back in the day. So like really where are we with AJ Green? Right? It's almost it's almost like you want to see him cement his legacy elsewhere because it clearly isn't happening in Cincy. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's gotta be a tough look, uh, for the Bengals this week. They have to feel like the Colts defense is scary and it's just a matter of time before this offense comes together. It's kind of where I'm left. Is that, is that fair to, to kind of be like, you know, instead of saying you got to make a move, something's got to change. Phil Rivers ain't it. It's like, no, at some point you just have to put pen to paper and make magic happen effectively. Like you have to do the thing, right? You got to get TY yeah. involved. You have to run the ball effectively. You have to involve Heinz. He's efficient. Involve Cox. He's efficient. This uh, blossoming relationship with Trey Burton, right? We, we can do all of those things and win. Uh, it's just, we haven't done that yet. Um, and it, and I understand that that's not necessarily the way uh, you, you 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 never know who's going to be open and every play is a present and you just kind of unwrap it as it goes. But 
it says something to me and maybe it just says i'm stupid and i look to i just look at the big number every time and i'm like wow like more like cox had a big game and he's like super efficient we should do like every game right and then all of a sudden he disappears from the offense and then similarly with other players and you're like where did he just just completely disappeared um that's just strange to me and i would like to see us you know especially against an opponent who i kind of view as someone you could push around a little bit and you can kind of decide you're going to dictate the pace you're going to you're going to dictate the you know kind of exerting i think if the colts exert their will in this game they're going to put the Bengals in bad position and i think the Bengals are have more of a propensity to make like a bad decision uh like having to go for it when it's just bad timing uh that this is what happens when a young a young org with a young quarterback runs into a veteran organization with a veteran quarterback the colts are going to take risk that the Bengals feel like they have to we have to do a, a similar sort of thing and that just has a fail rate attached right so that i would be on the lookout for that too is the Colts doing the thing where they're driving, they get a couple first downs, and then all of a sudden it's fourth and one at their own 44, and they go for it real quick and get it and they just keep the ball moving and score. And then now they're up 14 nothing. The Bengals get you know get to a point where they're at fourth and one on their own 39, and they're saying down 14 no, we have to get this or the game's over, and they don't get it. And now you're looking at you're looking at your TV thinking, I remember Jared saying that specifically on the podcast, that when you have a young quarterback, you run into problems where a veteran quarterback makes a veteran play and it ends up working out for them. And then you feel like, yeah, you have to do this now or we're in a big word of world of hurt and you just don't have enough experience to make it happen. And not, and it ends up compounding itself and wouldn't be don't be surprised if it doesn't happen a couple times on Sunday. Um, Philip Rivers is known for catching people slipping. Um, and, and Andrew Luck was great at doing that too, catching people uh, changing bodies out, right, when they're running the hurry up and, and get a free five yards out of that. And then Burrow decides to do it on the other end and doesn't catch that, you know, one of his wide receivers is running off the field and gets himself a 12-minute on the field call. Um, so don't be don't be surprised these things. This is this is what happens when you're not very good football team playing a pretty good football team that from for for with all due respect to the Cleveland Browns, that was kind of an embarrassing loss. Right. You just kind of gave a game away um, to the Browns. I, I think that means the next week you come in wired tight, you make less mistakes uh, you protect the football and your quarterback and you take the ball away from uh, the Bengals when they have it. Uh, and, and I think it's just a, a, a recipe for a disaster. And, and that, and I get it. I, at some point I was going to lose my mind and, and say the Colts are going to put together a full, a full game and blow out their weakest opponent. Um, I think anyway, I just don't know that there's another team that, that that's really bad. Um, all the way around. The, I mean, I guess the Colts have just played all of them. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it, yeah, I think the Colts, it, it's, this game I think could be a tough game for the Colts if they overlook the Bengals. Um, oh, for sure. But overall, this should 
this should be a pretty dominant win. Um, yeah. It's one that when the schedule came out, you chalked it up as a W. Um, and you really didn't think twice about it. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just one of those. It's one of those games that it could be a trap game if they didn't just lose to the Browns. <laughs> right. You'd you'd think this would have a little more flavor if the Colts weren't coming in with a little bit of chip on their shoulder, right? A little bit of that kind of stings. I don't want to feel that again. And when you've got guys, to me anyway, the reason you bring a guy like Phillip Rivers and the reason you love a player like Darius Leonard is these are guys that don't handle losses well. These are these are guys that come back with a vengeance, that aren't about this life. They don't like this losing and and slumming around stuff. They don't like that. They like that feeling of putting in a lot of hard work and then seeing the result and it being positive and in your favor. And I like I said, we 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 we've talked about it pretty much at length that. It just doesn't. This doesn't feel like a loss to me. This doesn't. Fe- this doesn't feel like a game the Colts could give away, as opposed to last week, um, coming off a trio of pretty impressive outings. Um, so, like you said, maybe the Colts just keep going three and one in every every four games. Hey, that's twelve and four. We're, I'm fine with that. Um, you want to take the the rest of the time to to finish up and, and say, Hey, this is who we think going to win these games this week. We, did you know yes. that there's no Thursday night football? I did know that. Um, only because I have a, uh, little betting pool. That's a weekly thing that they're like putting out the, the sheet. And I was like, wait, why? I don't understand. There's no Thursday night game. Like here's what the NFL should do is get rid of Thursday night games. I'm, I'm pro night games. Pro no Thursday night. I'm with that. No Thursday night games. Because uh, we've said this before in that Thursday night games lead to teams not getting extra rest, having to play uh, without getting not even the extra rest, but the extra preparation time. So it's been such a significant disadvantage for road teams because you have to add in a day for travel. And so in order to kind of have a competitive balance, they really should just dump Thursday night games and toss it over to Monday night. Um, it's the Thursday night games are so bad. They, they are, and they are, they're really bad. They're the worst. Every they're, time they're, I swear, like every week it's a new low. <laughs> You're yeah, like, oh, oh man, this is, this is, you know what, this is a good matchup. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then you watch the game and you're like, oh, that was underwhelming. Uh, it's true. Like, like seriously, get, just get rid of Thursday night games. And for for the love of Almighty, like it's just they're just not good. And you could do so much better giving teams the extra preparation to have a Monday night game. And then after that Monday night game, they still get the same amount of time they would on a, a normal week to prepare right. for the next game on the next Sunday. And so. It's not about injuries. You haven't seen a, an influx of injuries on Thursday nights, um, but the just the level of play has been poor, and the level of preparation from the coaching staff 
is generally poor because you get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, travel Wednesday, you're there on Thursday. Like you're trying to do your last install on Thursday morning yeah. of the game. Like for people that don't know, a normal NFL week is players come in for treatment on Monday and have like Tuesday off, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are installs. So you have four, you have four full, three full days of install, one day of treatment. And basically kind of an off day in there where you're just doing kind of film study, whatever. And then you have Saturday, which is normally your travel day. Maybe you get your last little things to walk through and then you have a game on Sunday. And so you've got a pretty set schedule that is about five to six days of work that you're trying to cramp into three days for teams that are uh, road teams on Thursday night. It's just such an incredible disadvantage to Thursday night. Thursday night football. So I am glad that there isn't one this week. I say get rid of it forever. I hope that this helps um, promote that and, and pushes the NFL forward to getting rid of Thursday night games because they are the worst. Now, so we don't have any Thursday games to talk about. So let's talk about on Sunday with the start with the one o'clock games. We'll do the Colts last. The Texans play at the Titans. Who wins that game? Titans. Yeah, I think so. I have no so, faith. I, I have no faith in the Texans, like, at this point. Like, but I guess now that Bill O'Brien's gone, they might, again, they, they had a great game against the Jaguars, but it's the did. Jaguars. It's the um, Jaguars. And so so maybe, you know, having, you know, you come in with, you know, fully to prepare Tennessee coming off a big win on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, which was weird. Um that they could give them an opportunity to, you know, again, Tennessee playing on a short week after having 16 days off um, right. due to COVID. Yeah. That's one of those things where it's a bit of a competitive advantage to, to yeah. Tennessee for that. Um, but it's almost I, like their stupidity paid them off. It really because, is. And, and it, and it, which is fitting for a team from Tennessee, but the the reality is, it, hey, I don't take veiled shots. Um, I, I know that's why. <laughs> so the 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 problem that I have with the Titans, particularly with Ryan Tannehill, was taking on the victim mentality when it came to like we didn't appreciate the things people were saying about us. What they were calling you is stupid and irresponsible, and which selfish. they were. At which you there were. There's videos and, of them that got Ian Rappaport, I think, suspended from the NFL for two weeks. Is he reported that there were videos of the Titans practicing at the local high school when they weren't supposed to be meeting? Right. Did, so that's that that's for the yes, I did, and that for the record is why I made those comments about the Titans is because you know their their fans are a handful, uh, hmm. but their organization. On, a, on on another level are just dumb to a degree that you not like there's sh- let's put it like this there's a study that come out a, uh, a rash of covid on, on a college campus particularly athletes 37 percent of them are reporting myocardia which which Mario, those you know it's myocarditis is the, yeah. the name of it myocarditis like a heart like a heart murmur after yeah, after having it's an COVID. enlargement of the heart 
Yeah, as a, as a result as a result of having COVID, so these are the same people that are asymptomatic. Nothing was really wrong with them, and then down the road they develop an enlarged heart. So with that knowledge in your brain, that even even a premier athlete at a Division One school that was asymptomatic still could have long term health problems. The Tennessee Titans are get are so self absorbed and so selfish that they decide to break NFL protocol and practice at a local high school. And over 20 members of the Titans organization have tested positive for COVID-19 in the last few weeks. This isn't funny. This is how you get the entire NFL season canceled. We talked about it last week. We thought they should forfeit games. So they're not a victim. Nobody said anything nasty about them. I think the Titans have plenty of talent. Okay. But talent does not determine brains or common sense. So when it comes to this, like Tennessee, are probably going to win a bunch of games this year. They're probably going to go to the playoffs. They're gonna, no, they're going to go nine and seven. They've gone nine and seven every year for the past three years. <laughs> they're just pretty stuck at nine wins. It's like just a little bit better than Jeff Fisher. Ooh, it's a curse. And then let's move on. The Falcons play at the Vikings at one o'clock. Who do you think wins that game? Well, these guys have all been bad. Um, I think probably Minnesota. Because um, I just have no faith in the Vikings, but they did just get rid of Bob Quinn. And so... <laughs> I have no faith in either of these teams, yeah, the like Vikings or the Falcons. Like This might be the toughest game to pick all week. Because <laughs> you got to wonder, did things get better when Quinn leaves the Falcons? And like, is him leaving fixing something? Right. Or do they spiral and things are just way worse. And now they become a dumpster fire and start giving away talent. I'll take Calvin Ridley. Um, I have to think. If there's if there's if there's anything left for the Vikings, it's winning at home. But with no Dalvin Cook, uh, you're going to get a healthy dose of Madison. Um, I think Alexander Madison. I think Minnesota wins. I think Madison has a big game. I think Atlanta's just in trouble, man. It's just a bad year for them. And I then think they're gonna, I think they're gonna tank out. Uh, so I'm saying they could be easily be a one-win team. And then yeah, and they're, they're gonna get Trevor Lawrence down there, you know, South Carolina, right there to Atlanta. Hey, uh, hey, that, now, that, week, would, that would be six. hot. Week six prediction. I'm calling it. They're tanking. Atlanta Falcons are tanking. Week six, mark it down. And what are they going to do? Hour, move move Matt mark. Ryan, grab Trevor Lawrence, or yeah, let it, yeah. They'll, they'll get rid of him. All right, let's keep moving. <laughs> the Broncos play at the Patriots. Who do you think wins that game? I believe Patriots. Locke is is Locke and Newton back, or just Locke is back. I don't know. Patriots. I'm going to take Denver to get a win on the road here. If Locke is back, Locke's good too. And then the Washington football team plays at the New York Giants. It was all that's yeah. also <laughs> these games have been awful. Um, yeah. Giants. Giants get a win. Um, Devonta. Yeah, is it Devonta Freeman? Freeman. Yep. Going to be a is the league bell cow for the Giants now. Mm-hmm. And then the Ravens play at the Eagles. Ravens. Uh, Ravens are going to win that game. 
Um, the Browns play at the Steelers. The Steelers are going to win that game at home. You know what? I'll be interested to see how this game goes. Um, It'd be a good game. I think I think this might be probably the one of the better games this week. Um, <laughs> that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> This yeah. is awful. <laughs> yeah, it really is uh, awful. Uh, but one of the one of the storylines that I'd like to see in this game, or or that I want to follow in this game, is how the Pittsburgh offensive line destroys Miles Garrett. Right. Because if, if they, everybody they remembers have... correctly, Miles Garrett was ejected from the game last year and subsequently suspended for the rest of the season. Because he took off oh, yeah. a helmet and whacked um, Rudolph Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet. He could have been charged helmet. illegally with, with <laughs> a couple of different things. He wasn't. But the fact is, the offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers never really got a shot for retribution against Miles Garrett. And I'll be interested to see if they take some shots this week. I just hope they play a clean game. Now the the Bears play at the Panthers down there in Charlotte. Another another just ugh I, I game. Think this is a bear. I think this is a Bears win because that defense is so good. Oh yeah. And then I agree with you. And then the Detroit Lions play this at the terrible. Jaguars. <laughs> I hey, I'm not I'm not making this up. <laughs> in case anyone's wondering, I, I, these are literally the matchups. Um, I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Yeah, I'll take the Jags to win at home, too. And then the New York Jets play yeah, at the Miami Dolphins. This. Yeah, the it's Dolphins. just kidding. No. Dolphins no, Miami win is a decent team. Miami, Miami is a decent is... team, and they're going to have a top five pick from Houston this year. <laughs> oh, man. The Green Bay Packers play at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay, that's a ball game. This is this is a ball game, yeah. I I think the Packers would win this game. Yeah, Packers win on the road. Aaron Rodgers is on a revenge tour. You heard it. You heard it here. And then the Rams play at the 49ers on take Sunday night. Football. I I agree. This is the Rams year. The San Fran's kind of well, actually, yeah, they're. Yeah, yeah you kind of... you convinced yourself, man. You convinced me into swapping from the Dolphins last week over the 49ers because you're like, oh, Garoppolo's back. It's like, oh, man, all right, well, my gut says the Dolphins, but all right, I'll take the 49ers. <laughs> and then the Dolphins boat raced them. Yeah, who knew that was coming? And then... I did. I um, <laughs> Monday Night Football, hear this. The first Monday Night game is at 5 o'clock. Yeah, that's kind of weird. The Chiefs play at the Bills. The Chiefs are going to beat the Bills in Buffalo. Wow, the Bills went from, man, they're really good, to just dropping two in a row real quick. Mm-hmm. Well, it's schedule. It's like the Texans. Like, the Texans should have been good, but they dropped. Like, their, the start of their season was terrible for them. Oh, and four. Like, like, it's like the NFL wanted Bill O'Brien to be fired. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> like, and honestly, then... like, they started them off with, like, all right, we're going to give you a murderer's row weeks one through five or one through four, and you're going to lose them all, and then they're going to fire you. That's what you get for trading DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick, you idiot. Speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, the Arizona Cardinals. 
play at the Dallas Cowboys. Cardinals. With, with I'm no taking Dak the Cardinals. Prescott. I yeah. have no faith in Dallas. There's uh there's no joy in Dallas. Uh Kyler Murray has himself a big game. And then to close us out, of course, we talked about it. The Bengals will come to Indianapolis and, and play the Indianapolis Colts here at Lucas Oil Stadium. And we've both said, hey, this is a, this should be a pretty clear Colts win. Colts are just a different team at home um, coming off a, a, tough road, a tough road loss uh, against uh, a lesser opponent. This, this is a game the Colts should win. Uh, but that's why we line them up and play them on, on Sundays. And sometimes Tuesdays now, uh, apparently. So this has been, oh, let's see. So we're in week five. It means last episode was episode seven. So this should be episode eight of season hey, did we two. pick that I was going to pick the Colts in this game? Was you were going to pick the Colts? Was, yeah. yeah, in this game against Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, you think Colts are- yeah, I, I, in case that was evidently clear by me saying that it was going to be like a 24-31-3 game earlier <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> Officially, I'm taking the Colts to win this game by a pretty wide margin. So this has been Episode 8, Season 2 of Afternoon Pancakes. We look forward to this week's games. Of course, we'll see you after next week's games. Make sure you wear a mask and vote. And go Colts. Go Colts.